0: All right, guys, I'm excited to have this one on. This is Josh Hurd. I'm sure most people in the paranormal circles know Josh. Josh has been uh, a staple in Iowa everything. If you've taken a tour of uh, Malvern Manor, you've probably uh, ran into him at some point in time out there. I know uh, that's on our bucket list of places to go to. Uh, also you're a member of the, of the G crew and, and, uh, some of you are probably familiar with that, but that's like a, a podcast that, that these guys do with Tim and Nick Groff, Johnny Hauser, and Chad Lindberg. And they bring on some of the most incredible guests. I know Chip coffee has been on there. You name it. They've, they've all been on there and uh, I'm happy to have him on. Thanks for coming on, Josh.
1: Oh, thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it.
0: You know, and I didn't even touch on the fact that you do the ectoplasm podcast which is part of the Podbelly network where we're at. So we're, we're kind of all part of the big family that's been going Absolutely. on for a while.
1: I love all it. right. So I love it.
0: I brought you on specifically for one reason, Johnny, besides all the other accolades I could throw your way, Josh, I said, Johnny, I don't know why I said Johnny, I got Johnny <laughs> in my brain now, but Josh, the reason, the reason I brought you on, you have a movie and a special event that are all coming up in Iowa in a couple of weeks. So let's start, first of all, with the movie 1903. This is uh, about the Van Meter Monster, which is, I guess we'll say cryptid, for lack of better terms. And it's actually, uh, I think it's one of the cooler cryptid stories out there, but it's probably also one of the lesser known, unless you're in the area. Is that what prompted you to actually do this movie?
1: Yeah, it's weird, man. Like, I went... I've always been a fan of like Chad Lewis, right? And, and Chad Lewis and his writing and all that stuff. And I, I've been to a couple of his lectures and then I saw that he was speaking in Van Meter and specifically about like the Van Meter monster. And I was like, I can't miss this. So I drove, I drove up there. I listened to the lecture and I was like, man, I ended up like talking to him afterwards. And I was like, let's just go to the bar. Like, you know what I mean? Let's (laughs) just go to the bar. Let's have a few drinks and, uh, and just talk shop more about this. And I've, like I said, I've always been fascinated with just anything weird anyway. And for the van meter story to just be a few hours away from me, I was like, this is a no brainer. I've got to do this. And so the story itself has always fascinated me. And I had to, I had to make a film about it. You know what I mean? I'm like, I had to do this and uh, and dive into it a little more. And so I took my, my buddies along for the ride too. And I said, we are basically going to try to retell the, the history as, as best we can. And then we're going to put ourselves at this mine where this winged bat-like humanoid creature flew down inside of and all of this. And then they supposedly dynamited the, the entrance to the mine shut and whatever was down there should technically still be down there. I mean, we, so we, we wanted to come at this from like different angles and we wanted to like obviously film everything that we possibly could, but we also wanted to use as much tech as we possibly could. So we took like very sensitive microphones, put them like right there on and at the mine we were able to then broadcast that signal back to like the camp area, so we could take ourselves out of the equation and listen real time to to what was going on uh, inside of the mine itself. Um, the crap that we captured on on film, I, I still am scratching my head. I have no idea what we captured. It's something phenomenal, that is for sure. So I, I'm excited for everybody to finally be able to see this. Um, I feel like I've been kind of working on it and pimping it and teasing it for a very long time now. But with, you know, 2020 being the way that it was, we weren't able to come out with the film like we wanted to. Um, But this year, thank God, we're able to uh, (laughs) finally get out there. And, uh, you know, so September 24th, will be in Van Meter screening the film and then of course the next day is the van meter visitor festival um where oh my god i'm so excited i love that i love that festival that they do every year so it should be a good time
0: for people who are unfamiliar with the van meter visitor slash monster uh can you give a brief synopsis without giving away much of the movie so at least people have an sure. idea of what you're looking at
1: Yeah, so back in, it was late September, early October of 1903. There was this very large winged bat-like creature um, that was seen numerous times over the course of, I believe it was five days, in this very small, sleepy little town of Van Meter, um, which is kind of nestled right up next to Des Moines, Iowa. Where it gets kind of fascinating to me is the people that were witnessing this and and claiming to have seen this were not your stereotypical town drunk or whatever you know what i mean right. this they're, they're all credible they were these are you know bankers these are uh, lawyers doctors things like people with reputations and with something to lose right um and that's what fascinated me the most. Like, there are people that are taking shots at this thing with their, with their guns, their rifles, whatever they had on them. And um, again, over the course of five days, this thing was seen by numerous people. Now, on the final night that this happened, obviously word had spread enough that all of these members of the community of Van Meter kind of came together and they, quote had more ammunition to take down the spanish armada like they (laughs) they were ready to roll right and what ends up happening apparently was this creature had then shown up they then chased the creature outside of town and just outside of town is this coal mine right and that was the leading source of revenue and um whatever for the for the uh town itself so this thing goes down into the mine and then in true 1903 fashion where we shoot first and ask questions later <laughs> they supposedly either one blew up the mine with dynamite collapsing the entrance of the mine right or they just collapsed the mine in in a method that we're not quite sure of um i like the dynamite story just because it's a little sexier right <laughs> but right <laughs> it was it was interesting Um, because then, you know, whatever was down there supposedly would still be down there. Now, also, I mean, again, like, again, this is the, the biggest form of the local economy, the biggest influx of income for that town. And they just blew it up. Tools were still down there. I mean, things like everything was still down there and they just blew it up. Like nobody's going back in there. Nobody's going in there. Even leading up to like the van meter stuff, there were guys that were down in the mine, like before the monster even showed up. There were guys down in the mine that would claim that the mine itself was haunted. Um, they said that it even sounded like Satan himself down in this mine. Uh, so they were kind of on edge anyway. <laughs> and so right. um, for this then to happen, um, I, it's, it's one of the coolest stories ever. So I really wanted to explore that.
0: Now you know this story probably way better than I do. Uh am I remembering correctly that at one point in time there seemed to be multiple of these creatures, like when when uh it flew out or something? Wasn't there like two of them that flew out or three of them or yeah, something like supposedly,
1: that? Supposedly, supposedly there was another that that was kind of accompanying the, the larger one, the smaller one presumably being um like some form of a a child, you know what I mean? Like almost like an offspring of some sort. Well, if there's an offspring, I mean, there has to be another
0: partner <laughs> out
1: there somewhere too, right? So now we're talking about three at the very least. Um I, <laughs> I have no idea. What was super weird to me is the fact that they started, they started to even say that this thing mimicked like a parrot. Like one of them saw them, um perched on top of this pole by a a building and the way it descended the pole was very similar to that of like a parakeet or a parrot or something like that which very bird-like uh they also said it had a beam of light that would emanate from its face its skull or whatever um like an elongated beak i mean just bizarre stuff now even supposedly one evening uh while this thing was kind of making its uh it's it's comeback tour or whatever in the town of Van meter (laughs) it was it was seen by this gentleman now back in 1903 these these people would sleep above or behind their businesses like usually they're on site and this one gentleman happened to be a teller at the bank and had witnessed this creature walking down the street and Literally took his shotgun and blasted out this very large bay window that was right at the front of the bank. Uh, and I mean, hit this thing, it does nothing, it just keeps going. It's not affected by bullets at all. But he said that it had been raining, they ended up taking a plaster cast of the footprint left right there on that street. Where that uh, plaster cast is, is it's gone, it's gone. We have no idea where this thing ever ended up if it even survived this long you know right it could be right. in somebody's freaking basement or attic yeah. or something like that somebody's like what's this weird thing yeah it's so, yeah. the
0: weirdest big footprint i've ever seen <laughs> <laughs>
1: exactly it's just like man like grandpa's got a lot of weird crap you know what i mean <laughs> like,
0: <laughs> oh it's nuts so let's let's move on a little bit well first let me ask you before we move on after this uh, initial screening of the movie how will people be able to see the movie so for right now i'm
1: still trying to find a home for this thing right and uh, that's always the the fun of being an independent filmmaker is you're always trying to find its its home and right now like if guys uh, like if you guys were able to go to joshherd.net that's just my kind of my one-stop shop for everything i have i will have i should say links for this then set up that'll take you then to i believe realhouse.org and that's probably where the film is going to reside for some time um but yeah josh would be the one-stop shop to find all of that fun stuff
0: okay cool so Tell me a little bit now, we're going to, we're going to move on. Tell me a little bit about Malvern Manor because I don't know very much about it. I know uh, by a couple of people, uh, Diane student, who's a good friend of the uh, show yeah. from history goes bump. We're actually doing an event with her uh, weekend after next Nice. And uh, when your events going on, uh, we'll, yeah. we'll be coming back from Florida from our St. Augustine trip there, but she, great. she's actually uh, had so many nice things to, to say about you and you, uh, the event that you she did with you were there dolly obviously dolly helped set this up she's yeah. like uh she's she's always setting events up for us i don't i, I think i'm going to hire her as my press agent and uh, I love because <laughs> cuz she she could probably get me into more stuff than i than i can get myself into because she's, <laughs> she's hooked me up with with you and troy taylor already so awesome yeah, so that's great. so tell me about malvern manor
1: so malvern manor is kind of a an anomaly we know that the building itself It was constructed in 1869. It was the fourth structure that was built in the town of Malvern. Now, at that time, it was actually called Milton, Iowa, but um, later becomes Malvern. Its primary function is a hotel. And primarily, it's just servicing the railroad, which was just a couple hundred yards out the front door. So people coming and going all the time. We know it runs as a hotel all the way up until the 1950s, so it has a really good run there. <laughs> you know, um, at that time it kind of takes an odd turn; it becomes what we would consider to be more of like a, a nursing home type setting. Um, you know, sadly, the nursing home doesn't last very long—only a couple decades. Uh, in the 70s, then they are shut down. Um, the hallways weren't wide enough to support transporting patients back and forth, and. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they had to be shut down. Now, this is also where history becomes the most fascinating for geeks and nerds like me. And that <laughs> is where it becomes uh, the group home or what I consider to be the group home. Um, the group home is servicing any form of mental disorder you could possibly imagine. Now, what they deemed a mental disorder back in the 1970s is quite different than what we do now. Right. Uh, so this, this uh, you know, clientele of people that are coexisting here within the walls um, is vast. It's, it's things that we see every day. Uh, people with drug and alcohol abuse, for an example, people with Down syndrome, for an example, very common type ailments, right? Um, and then, of course, you have people that are on the opposite side of the coin, people uh, with more exotic type cases, uh, people with DID, for an example, or uh, what we used to refer to as multiple personalities, uh, even schizophrenics, uh, even murderers are housed here. Like, this is a very eclectic <laughs> group of people in the same building. Um, right now, as I sit here inside of it, it is right right at 10,000 square feet of paranormal playground, you know. <laughs> and uh, I, I mean, that's pretty much the, the broad stroke version of the place. It ran as that group home all the way up until 2005. It was not that long ago. Uh, and this building was still in full swing. And ever since the first night I walked in here, which was just over seven years ago, which is very odd to say. Um, but it is, um, I haven't touched a, a thing. It's exactly how I found it. Now, in the common areas, obviously we move things around all the time, but the meat and potatoes of this place, the, the rooms themselves, the hallways themselves, you are going to find it exactly the way I found it when I first walked in here, um, which from the investigative side of everything, I feel adds uh, a little more integrity to the building itself. Um, now, obviously while you're here, I always say, don't feel like you're, like you're walking around a museum. To so make this as interactive as possible. If you want to sit in the beds or lie down in the beds, you may. If you want to sit in the wheelchairs, you may. If you want to try on the clothes in the dresser drawers, you may. Um, if it's going to elicit a response, obviously that's why you're here. That's what we want you to experience while in the building. So, uh, But that's kind of the broad stroke you know, version of, of Malvern Manor.
0: So... You guys do a lot of events, tours, that type of thing there. Sure. What, what kind of uh, activity do you feel like is there on a regular basis? On
1: the regular basis, you will definitely get um, a plethora of EVPs. You will also hear very audible disembodied voices, disembodied footsteps, running, um, physical manipulation of objects is a big one here as well um just yesterday i was on the phone with a friend and i'm like oh my gosh i'm like it's super spooky down here as i was walking down the hall (laughs) all the doors had been closed and so i was like oh the group from the night before must have just closed all the doors maybe no light contamination from the streets whatever so i start opening these doors as i'm making my way back up the hallway One of the doors I had just opened just slammed, and I was like, oh, God, okay? So, I mean, obviously, it kind of jostled me a little bit, and I'm like, guys, just stop. And so I opened the door back up. That SOB closed again, and I was like, okay, now I'm just, we'll leave the door shut. Whatever, if it's that important to you, and I just went about my business. But, man, uh, this place is pretty interesting, that's for sure
0: how does it compare the Iowa? You know, when you think Iowa, you think like corn and stuff to the average person, no, but when you, and it, it's, that's, that's not a knock again. That's just that Iowa no, just doesn't true. have a lot of stuff that just stands out, but on the paranormal yeah. side, it yeah. actually has a lot of cool stuff. I mean, you got the Bellisca ax murder house, obviously you've got Melbourne manor. You've got, uh, uh, oh, yeah. of course the, the 1903, creature oh, yeah, that we're talking about the van meter monster uh what's the school down there i can't remember you got
1: farrar you got the farrar yes. elementary school you've got uh, edenburg manor for example yeah you know, i mean you have all these places a squirrel cage jail in council bluffs um,
0: yeah squirrel cage is one i forgot man, about
1: yeah like they're all over the place it's kind of weird like what is it about about iowa they're like what's going on in iowa it's super weird though but yeah
0: I would ask you what your favorite place is amongst all those, but I'm sure you're probably going to be a little biased. I'm
1: definitely biased. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm definitely biased. It's certainly, you know what I mean? It's it's a labor of love, right? For, for lack of a better term. But it's also become such a part of me and like doing all this research and all of this stuff. Like you really feel like, like you know these people um they've become like this weird extension of family for uh for the most part and usually when i walk in the doors you know i'm saying good morning uh when i'm leaving i'm saying good afternoon or good evening or whatever and uh you know telling them oh yeah i'll be back tomorrow or whatever i mean there's always this i don't know it's so weird man <laughs> it's so freaking weird like having a place like this but you know, like valiska is also one of my favorite places you know like valiska is One of those buildings that just keeps calling you back no matter what. It's just an amazing place with a nasty history Um, and something that, you know, still to this day has not been solved. So there's no closure. Um, And I think that's also kind of adds to the allure of the place, too.
0: Well, let me ask you this, because I always ask anybody when we get on the subject of Villisca. Yeah. Who do you who do you think did it? Because to me, it really seems like it's the it's the preacher, the out of town preacher. It's just yeah, the, the comments was. on the train to the people right afterwards, whether that I know they kind of recanted that a little bit after that. But I feel sure. like that it's almost, you know, has to be,
1: you know, it's weird to me. Like, I would totally agree with you. I think that, yeah, Reverend Reverend Kelly was probably the guy that did it. Um, there's also a really fascinating book that just came out a couple years ago called The Man from the Train. And in that book, they basically tell you exactly who the Velisca Axe murderer And it's interesting their take on it just because they're following the same person uh along the railroad, right? And so I thought that was an interesting take. I think they they reached a little bit, but that's just my opinion. You know what I mean? Other people could read that and think it's phenomenal, which it's really well done. Um, but yeah, like if I was a betting man, I would say it was probably Reverend Kelly just because, I mean, the guy was psychotic. I mean, he was absolutely, the cheese slid off his cracker. You know what I mean? He's he's, he's so weird. Um, I mean, he flat out said, I did it. And they're like they bring him in, they're like, "Ah, oh, I don't know, did you really do it? and I mean he also said he worked for the Queen of England. you know what I mean, so right, you're really not believing this guy anymore, and they let him go. They just let him go, no big deal, whatever so i don't I don't understand it um you know, back then, this was in i mean this was nineteen twelve I mean there's no such thing as you know forensics or anything right. like that there's nothing like that. So, I mean, will we ever definitively know who did this? I god, I would love to say yes, but I honestly don't think so.
0: You know, it's it's uh we did an episode, well, man, it's been 3 or 4 years ago now, but we tried to connect most of the famous axe murder cases and say how it possibly could even be the same person that did a lot of yeah. the the Axemen in New Orleans, the Hinterfact deal that could have hopped yep. on a, you know, if it was a if it was a German immigrant or something that had hopped on and came over here, there's a timeline that suggests yeah. that a lot of those could have been the same person and then went back to Germany. And there you go.
1: And, and yeah, just like scot-free. It, it's super weird too. Like we Johnny and I we talk a lot about this. Um, there seems to be a very odd connection between Velisca, the Velisca axe murder house and then malvern manor and they're only i mean just a half hour down the road you know and it's uh it's weird to me like johnny and i have a lot of those what i call drunken 3 a.m conversations you know (laughs) where you like solve the world's (laughs) problems right like oh bro but it's interesting like sometimes we we discuss this and how how feasible it could have been like When this building, back in the year 1912, this building was the place to be in the area. And it's quite feasible that whoever did the killing there in Velisca could have stayed here at what was called the Cottage Hotel either a night or two before, maybe after. I mean, could the Velisca axe murders have been plotted within the walls of Malvern Manor here? I have no idea but it's a fun thought to entertain.
0: It's also kind (laughs) of weird. Yeah. So speaking of drunken 3am conversations, the best. Yes. (laughs) How, how did you get, uh, how did the G crew come about? How did you four become the, the, the group (laughs) on that podcast? Because that's, that literally is some of the funniest conversations I've ever heard.
1: (laughs) We kind of just, Just let it roll, right? Like whatever comes out of our mouths, we're just gonna roll with it. It's I don't know how G crew actually started. It's very odd. Like I remember getting a phone call from Johnny Hauser, and he said, What are you doing? And I was like, Nothing, what's going on? He goes, Okay, will you be free in five minutes for a phone call? And it was weird (laughs) anyway, because Johnny doesn't call anybody, you know what I mean? Like Johnny doesn't ever call anybody it's always a text message and so when he called i was like oh god like who died you know <laughs> and um like you're always expecting the worst but no he he got me on this this group call and it was nick and in and chat and, and himself and they said this is what we want to do are you on board and i said absolutely flipping lootly um of course you know and I mean, that was pretty much it. So, I mean, Nick had all of these ideas saying, okay, look, I've already got interviews lined up. And he's like, over the next 30 days, we're going to literally be interviewing like 50 different people. So we're going to do two a days and all this stuff. Like it was the, a brutal month anyway. <laughs> and now we've kind of been able to catch up a little bit and you know we're able to, to do those. Um, we're going to start recording interviews again very soon here within the next week or two uh, and start doing of course more of our our live shows that we like to do so much where we get a prank call our friends and things like that of <laughs> uh, yeah so we have a lot of fun
0: awesome yeah I'd say that you you guys uh, have probably been on about a six-month break or something so
1: yeah yeah it's been crazy Nick filming his new show and getting that off the ground and all of that and I mean Chad has his own list of things that's going on as well um man, yeah so it's been crazy so now we're able to finally uh kind of hit that pocket again so it'll be fun
0: I, I, i've been meaning to tell chad that one of the funniest things i've seen in the last six months is him coming out on stage to ice ice baby my
1: god right <laughs> <laughs> the best like chad is just a character in and of himself you know what i mean like he's so he's just so lovable. Like you just want to be around the guy. He's just a lot of fun and he's very like genuine and kind hearted. And so, yeah, he's, he is uh, a, a perfect addition to the, the G crew. That's, for I sure. would, yeah.
0: I would say most of you guys had that same kind of uh, approach to life. I mean, you, you all have that just happy go lucky fun. And that's not always the case in the paranormal world.
1: That's very true. (laughs) That is very true. And yeah, like we try to keep it light. Uh, We've had a couple episodes here and there where, you know, things are pretty heavy and, and, you know, man, we did that. uh, That one episode that we did, this was when COVID was so brand new, we didn't know what was going on. And we knew that it was really affecting our elderly population. And we didn't really think too much how it would affect the younger population. And this one child... I say child, he was 21 years old, but he was a college baseball player from Colorado. And he was one of the first young folks that we lost to COVID and we interviewed his family and it was intense. And, uh, I mean, Nick was on location, you know, while he did that too, but i mean, so, I mean, we've definitely had some of the episodes that are more somber and really make you think, you know, about the important things in life. And then we've, I mean, the majority of our shows are hilarious. So really it's just kind of us sitting around and giggling, you know, it's great.
0: And that's what makes it great. I, I like I was telling you off of air, we were talking about one of the episodes uh, that you had with the Kirklands on that are, are yeah. good friends of ours. And that episode was so fun and it bounced all over the place. Uh, <laughs> but I, But I do want to tell you, ask you about, part of that episode, that episode. And we actually uh, uh, used some of this video footage when we had Nick on for our 200th episode of the Ashmore estates, when wow. Lee was able to film uh, a shadow figure type thing. And, and, our, and, and that whole clip uh, from the video itself, the whole YouTube clip, I mean, there is so much uh, emotion in yeah. that. It it was amazing. Were you there for that night?
1: I was not there for that night and I wish I would have been. <laughs> it's just phenomenal stuff. So yeah.
0: But yeah, I wish uh, I was there. Ashmore's a very cool place so uh yeah. really enjoy it out there. Uh plus I haven't. love I love the uh the owner out there. I mean, I love that he helps out the uh, Lost Limbs Foundation and you know, it's uh, we, we got the privilege uh, at CryptidCon, which was uh, down here in Lexington a couple of years ago. We got to sit up right next to Mike Couch. So we, uh, oh, nice, we, we, we got to know him really well over the weekend and his sister Crystal and fantastic yeah. people. So, yeah, we uh, we we love hearing uh, anybody that's helping Mike out.
1: Oh, he's one of the best, he's one of the best, that's for sure.
0: So, well brother it's been awesome having you on i appreciate it tell everybody again uh how to watch the movie about the events coming up and uh i'll, I'll remind everybody go listen to the g crew yeah and check go listen out. to ectoplasm because that's an awesome podcast also
1: oh thank you brother thank you but yeah guys uh if you want to learn more or check out anything uh josh is pretty much the one-stop shop you can find my books, my films, all that fun jazz and the, and the podcasts as well. So yeah, check that out for sure.
0: Awesome. Thank you so much for coming on, Josh. I know it was put together really quick and I appreciate it.
1: I appreciate it, brother. Thank you.